Hey, Barry. Hey, Al. What do you call it when the cleric stops combat to have a drink with his god? What? The wine intervention. It's time for a compelled duel! <laughs> And welcome back to Compelled Duel. I'm Al. And I'm Barry. And we are a co-DM single player actual play 5th edition podcast. Last time on Compelled Duel, Ferrara Valsine had a very interesting day back in Valentall, uh, packed full of really unpleasant information, uh... followed by an even more interesting night in the Silent City where she encountered an archaeological mass grave, and a new acquaintance by the name of Erebe Enmar. And the time before that, Lero Valsine successfully stopped a coup in the city of Lockham. Yes, he did. With not a drop of blood spilled, might I add. And got his first big win of the season. And got his second big win of the season by having a romantic encounter with Eleonora Ashthorn. Score. Which he promptly uh, made extremely awkward by telling her that he was okay if there were no emotional attachments to their encounter because he assumed that she was engaged, and then sending a message to his ex. (laughs) And we're going to pick back up on the uh, aftermath of that. Zooming in on the castle of one King Bertrand Silvertree, or more specifically, the courtyard of that castle, where Leo is having a conversation with one Mr. Zed Stonebloom, who promptly says, You did what? See, I get how in context it can sound bad, but you have to understand the thought process that I was going through at that time. Of course, of course. Walk me through the thought process, Leo. Draw me a map. Take me on this adventure. (laughs) Well, I mean, I just assumed that, you know, most people's marital relationships in high society worked the way that I understood them, which is that political marriages happen, and sometimes paramours get involved, and nobody really gives a shit. And then after that got shut down, I started thinking about things that I hadn't let myself think about in the last five years, and... I started feeling really bad because, you know, things with Soren didn't end so well, and, I mean, I, I, I was with him for 40 years, Zed. I, I needed to know where we stood. He sighs very deeply. <laughs> okay. Why are you telling me this now? Well, because Eleonora hasn't answered my letter yet, and I- Okay! <laughs> I just kind of wanted, you know, a sounding board to see, like, if maybe I had messed something up. Which part do you think you messed up? The part where you told her that you assumed that she was engaged to someone else when you guys fucked? Or the part where you immediately (laughs) went and tried to get into contact with your ex? Which part of that, Leo, did you think was a bad idea that she maybe took offense to? Have I mentioned that my god showed up during pillow talk? Zed just sits down on the ground. Well, see, that was how I got the spell, because, you know, you, you see, you know, things happened, we we had a fun time, and then 
my god showed up and was like, hey, I was really impressed with all the shit you did today, Leo. I want you to have some more spells. And one of the spells was a message that I can send to anyone anywhere in the world using only my brain, which is cool as fuck, for the record. And I, I hadn't had the opportunity to clear up some loose ends in my life that I suddenly had the opportunity to do, and recent events were making me think about those loose ends, and oh, I fucked up, didn't I? Then is still just sitting on the ground, head in his hands. He says, Yeah, yeah, you did. So anyway, the response to the aforementioned message was nothing, so I think we can tack on my ex-fiance to the list of people that apparently hate me now. Great, great. I get one win and three losses. This is awesome. Okay, well, I'm gonna go hit up the brunch bar and slam, like, three Bloody Marys, because that's what I need to get through my morning. And then I need to go do some shopping, so after that, we can reconvene on our next move. Zed, still with his head in his hand, says, what are you shopping for? Oh, well, related to the story I was telling you, I need to go get a diamond. <laughs> he sits bold upright and says, wait a minute, no! That is not the answer here. Hang on. What? What? Of course it's the answer. I don't think that's a great idea, given the rest of the situation. Well, if I want to have the power to do anything, I'm going to need to get a diamond. Well, you just got the resolution on one engagement. I really don't think asking Eleanor. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? What are you talking about? I need to go buy a diamond so in case you die the next time we fight somebody, I can bring you back. It's an element in the spell that I just got. Zed puts a hand up and then puts it back down and says, Oh. What did you think I was talking about? That's not important. Can I roll insight on Zed? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and since I leveled up, I get plus seven to insight now. That would be a 24. Zed looks a little hurt, a little jealous, perhaps, and then immediately shuts that shit down and just, like, stands up and brushes dirt off of his pants and says, I'm gonna take a walk. And then he gestures over to the side. He says, Bone Boy, watch him. B-b-b-b-bone Boy? <laughs> Ravain, who has just been standing in the shadows imperceivable, <laughs> takes a step forward and waves and says, Hi! Oh, this day was already so weird. What the hell are you doing here? Also, is the bird with him? Oh, yes. <laughs> Sweetie, the skeletal little bird, is on his shoulder, as always. Yet Leo looks really tense for a second, but then sees the bird and goes, Hi, baby! Come here! Come the bird here. flies over. <laughs> Leo pets it. It has a horrible, horrible, cold skull for a head. <laughs> oh no, Leo is fawning over it. Hi, baby. You're so cute. I love you. Anyway, what the hell are you doing here? Ravain shifts awkwardly and says, Well, it occurred to me that I have been living in a tower with two people for company for my entire life, and I haven't really gotten out much. And also, I still feel really bad about almost killing you that one time. So where are we going with this? Talk to me. Tower. Yes, shut in. Uh-huh. Horrifying mushroom. <laughs> Got it. Picking up on all of this so far. Why are you here where I live? Well, I have a certain skill set, and he casts Prestidigitation. 
and makes a shimmer in the air as he waves his hand. That makes me sort of helpful to have around. And I thought I could help you with your adventuring stuff. Okay, well, skill set aside, and I cast Thaumaturgy and make the (laughs) ground rumble. You also have a pretty significant condition that makes me not want to have you in my house. That's the other thing. I was hoping that I could maybe uh, get a better handle on the mushroom stuff. And I think I'm not going to get that without experience out in the world. And he, like, very awkwardly puts a hand out right in front of you. <laughs> Leo looks down at his hand and blinks. Well, because the only time Australians shake hands is when they're making a deal. And Leo goes, please explain the terms. Ravain uncertainly lowers his hand a little bit, and he says, uh, I adventure with you we go places and you help me with the mushroom thing i think you're supposed to i i'm told that when someone holds their hand out you're supposed to shake it well yes but the terms of the deal had to be finalized and leo shakes his hand okay (laughs) he very awkwardly shakes your hand it's not a good grip he's (laughs) never done this before very clearly all right well i was gonna hit up the bloody mary station in the great hall do you want to come with what's a bloody mary Oh, sweet summer child, come with me. Oh, God. Leo takes him inside and gets him turned on Bloody Marys. Oh, no. And then both of them, very tipsy, go out to find Zed and go shopping. You find Zed. You go to one of the marketplaces around the city. Roll me investigation. Nine. It takes you most of the day to find a good jeweler. There is a sign above the door. It says Jared's Jewels. And you walk in, and there's a little halfling man with a monocle and, like, a waistcoat. Great. <laughs> polishing some jewels. And he has a name tag that says Jared. Leo walks in and goes, Hello, sir, I'm in the market for a diamond. He looks at me and says, Oh, congratulations! Oh, no, who's in there with me? <laughs> Zed and Ravane. Leo blinks and goes, No. Ravane says, Congratulations for what? We'll talk about it later. Zed says, oh yeah, the bride is just radiant. Fantastic. Real ball buster. Leo chokes. (laughs) I am in need of a pretty sizable diamond that would be suitable for magical grade use. Roll just a straight luck check. Plus your spellcasting modifier. Dirty 20. He manages to root around and pull up a pretty sizable chunk of diamond. It's a little rough. It looks like it would probably have been split into smaller diamonds to make the most use out of the clear parts of it. Uh, will this do for your purposes? I mean, I'd like to just pick it up and do, like, maybe an arcana check to see. Yeah. Fifteen. It would probably be enough to cast a revivify with. Remind me, Rivet has a hundred gold pieces? It's a diamond worth at least a hundred gold pieces. Yeah. And I also need gems that are worth at least fifty for a couple other spells that I just got, so... Jared the jeweler smiles and says, A hundred will do just fine, sir. Thank you so much. And Leo buys the diamond. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yep, that's all I needed. We can go back to the palace. Alright. Oh, I do want to make it clear that even though Leo was asking for input from the peanut gallery on his latest actions, he has been saving a third level spell slot every day and has been sending a sending spell to Soren every uh, day. Uh. Not anything horrible, just something to yeah. the tune of, listen, I understand if you don't want to talk, but can you just tell me? Yeah. So I think he probably goes and does that, and then is going to go about whatever his agenda for the day is. Well, it has been a month since the events at Lockham, so there is another council meeting rolling around. So one way or another, Eleanor will have to have a conversation with you. <laughs> Where is the meeting this time? This time it's in Statwood, which would be Bobbin City. Also, I shouldn't have much to do there. I've already secured their military support. So you get packed to go to Statwood? Can I take Ravane? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Bold of you to think the Bertrand is gonna stop you. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. Okay, cool. I'm packing up Zed and yeah. Ravane in my carriage and we're going. Okay, so you go to Satwood. The council meeting is going to be predictably boring, you think, as you shuffle in. You go to take your seat, and are you looking for Eleanor? Absolutely. Okay. She is sitting very close behind where her father sits. <laughs> She appears to be writing something in her lap, not really paying attention to most of the room. Leo's gonna point at her and do a message cantrip and say, You look like you've got an interesting project on your hands. Eleonora startles and you watch her almost fall out of her seat. And then she looks up, locks eyes with you, <laughs> and thinks back, Hi, don't do that. Seemed fine enough last time I did it. That was a different situation. <laughs> Noted. She, like, warily, still looking at you, goes back to what she was doing. Okay, yeah, Leo yeah. just sits there and watches her. Can I try to, like, roll insight to figure out what the fuck she's doing? Yeah, sure. Ten. She's writing something. Uh, you, you can't tell, really. She seems kind of stressed about it. There's a lot of, like, stressed pen motions. <laughs> oh, this isn't good. Cool, okay, what goes on in the council meeting? Does it concern Leo? Like, does he need to speak on anything? You know, other than <clears throat> single-handedly stopping an entire military coup <laughs> of a city with zero blood spills? <laughs> There's very little discussion of Leo. <laughs> Willamine Dawn Chaser does bring up the words she uses are that unpleasant business through her teeth, and the other people on the council kind of shift awkwardly. And she, like, clears her throat and she goes, <clears throat> With the aforementioned unpleasantness, Lockham will be unilaterally pledging military and political support to the Grand Duke of Sharia in his efforts to secure his throne. Leota's little fist bump just down below the level that people can see him. Wilhelmina looks Isaac Ashthorn directly in the eyes, nods, <laughs> and then looks at the rest of them and says, Thank you for your time. Leo does as dignified of a little dance to himself as he can. He will just sit there and, I think, take notes on the rest of the council meetings. Okay. He's starting to take a more vested interest in these people's politics because yeah. he's starting to realize this is how he helps himself. So yeah, he is going to sit there and take notes for the rest of the meeting about what's going on in all the cities. Roll insight. 
24. As you're sitting there, Bobbin and Lubash both seem a little on edge. You watch them, like, catch each other's eyes in the middle of the meeting, and, like, there's a creaking sound. You can't see what's happening, but there's a creaking sound from Lubash's seat. Hmm. Okay. Leo does put that in his notes. He's gonna try to catch Eleonora on the way out of the council meeting. They stop for a recess. Eleonora is just trying to shuffle out, (laughs) just quietly. Leo's just leaning up against the wall, outside the council chambers, just waiting. Eleonora winces. Hi, Leo, what's up? Well, I mean, you've been taking me on a bar tour of Tordoon for the last couple months. I was figuring maybe we could keep up the tradition. Pro persuasion. With advantage. Nineteen. Her posture softens a little bit. <laughs> she says, Sure. Yeah, that's... I know a little place. You seem to know the best little places. Eleanor takes you out into the city. Stoutwood is interesting. It feels like a place that has kind of been put together willy-nilly. The architecture is really weird. It looks like very experimental pretty much everywhere. There'll be a tall avant-garde kind of building next to like a squat Bavarian looking piece of architecture. It doesn't look like a cohesive city. It looks like a whole bunch of people had some really interesting ideas and just kind of decided to live next to each other. But Eleonora's having the time of her life. Oh yeah, <laughs> Eleonora loves that one. She is like visibly happy as she's walking through it. I think actually Leo brings that up as they're walking. Just oh wow, well for someone who's into architecture, it seems like you're in hog heaven. Eleonora laughs. She goes, "Stowood has historically been a very artisan-heavy area, and under uh, King Bobbin's grandfather, I believe there was a sort of revitalization of the architecture." arts, business, whatever you want to call it, and honestly, half the city got torn down because there was a big fire and there were a bunch of condemned buildings and there was a whole thing with the Thieves Guild, but that's not important. Leo pulls his notes back out. The late King Edmund Rosebrook just decided to fund arts projects. If you go down to the Merchants District, there are all kinds of murals everywhere, kind of worked into the actual function of the building. It's very strange. Well, this sounds like a city where we could do a bar crawl. She kind of, like, tugs on her earlobe. We may not have time before the, uh, council goes back into session. My father expects me to be back there. Oh, um, of course. Uh, yeah, yes, obviously. Um, but we can grab a drink. Oh, have I mentioned that Ravain is here? What? Yeah, he, um, showed up in Irie right before we left. Why? Apparently he wants to hang out with me now. Why? Leo makes an affronted little squawk. I I didn't mean, uh... I was gonna say, you don't seem to mind my company, I princess. <laughs> she, like, tugs on her earlobe again. She goes, <laughs> yeah. Let's, how about that drink? <laughs> okay, yeah. She chugs a big flag and a beer, just... Absolutely puts it away. She seems stressed. Couldn't help but notice that uh, my last letter went unanswered. By the way, Leo says just sipping on his cocktail. 
just checking that you got it, you know, how unreliable the carrier ravens can be. Eleonora is not looking at you. She is looking directly into her cup. She says, yeah, I got it. I mean, I hate to press the issue, but are we all right? Are we okay? Roll insight. 17. Oh, grimaces. And then very carefully says, I don't have a problem. If you don't. I also don't have a problem. I just think that we should be cautious right now. Leo kind of blinks at her and frowns. He's confused. Would you care to enlighten me as to why? If I need to be careful, I'd like to have some rationale behind it. This is again, and we're just another drink. Eleonora, we can't keep doing this thing where you know information that I need to know and you keep mollycoddling me. I promise I can take it. My father thinks you're dangerous and that I shouldn't be spending time with you. I'm a grown adult, but I don't... I don't want him to be upset. I'm a grown adult, I am also a good daughter, and that is something I prioritize and something I pride myself on. And I'm trying to sort this out. So I just think we should be careful for now. Do you want space? I don't, but I think it would be best if I got some. Am I allowed to be honest and say that I'm sad about that? (sighs) You and me both. He reaches across the table and grabs her hand. I understand trying to please a father who wants something much different than what you want. It's not... I feel like you've gotten a very bad impression of him. It's... I just... I'm just trying to do what is best for everyone involved. And if that means that we put a pause on things, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm not ending things, I'm just trying to not blow up my life. Do you think you can save one dance for me at the gala without raising too much suspicion? (laughs) I think I can squeeze you in. I'd appreciate that very much, Princess. It was good to see you again. And Leo takes the hand that he's still holding and kisses her knuckles and puts it down and pays for their drinks and leaves. Okay. And very dejectedly, I guess, goes back to the palace. Yeah. (laughs) He's not feeling great. Uh, the council's not back in session yet, are they? Not yet. Yeah, it'll be probably another 15 minutes.
As soon as he walks back in through the doors of the palace, Leo's back in political chess master mode, and he's trying to think of what he can do to achieve his goals here. So, he's got Bobbin's support on lock. Because of what he observed earlier, I think he's going to go try to find Lubash. Alright, roll investigation. 19. You find Lubash Thunderbow, and... The orcish women that you've observed keeping company with him. You don't know exactly what the situation is there. You find them kind of sitting together in uh, the Great Hall of the Castle of Statwood. Your Majesty, if I may. He raises his eyebrows and goes, Of course, Lord Valsarn. Grand Duke Valsarn. <laughs> she doesn't have a watch, but he like looks up at a clock and goes, I've got time. Perfect. Leo puts himself in the nearest chair he can. He nods to the woman sitting with him. He says, I could get a minute, dears. And uh, one of them nods and heads off, and the other sighs deeply, and then looks at you, and then kisses him on the cheek, and then follows the other one. I couldn't uh, help but notice a little bit earlier in the council meeting that there seemed to be a little bit of tension. Between you and King Rosebrook, do you mind catching me up on what's going on there? Again, I'm horribly unfamiliar with the political machinations going on around the people that I need to be making a good impression on, so a favor would certainly help. Lubash, like, sips at a tanker of ale and goes, I don't know that I would uh, discuss the issue with anyone who is not a direct representative of King Rosebrook. We have it well in hand. Really, because it didn't seem that way. There is another one of those, like, creaking noises as his hand tightens on the handle of the tankard in his hand. And he just, like, big, toothy smile says, It is what it is. And what if it didn't have to be? What if there was some sort of more equitable solution that I could help to broker? in exchange for a favor down the line? Roll persuasion. 18. He, like, scoffs and takes a sip and says, Conflict's older than you are, boy. How old do you think I am, your majesty? He shakes his head and says, Take no offense, conflict's older than I am, too. There's a uh, tract of land to the southeast on the banks of the Shatterstone, that has been a point of conflict between Eisenhull and Stoutwood for as long as anyone can remember. And is this becoming a concern recently? There was a uh, unfortunate incident with a ship at Stoutwood a few weeks ago, and there may have been a bit of bloodshed. I do not take responsibility for it. Neither do any of the Eisenhower merchants, but King Rosebrook seems to believe that someone should take the blame for it, and I am of a different opinion. Can I roll insight as to what he means by this? Like, who's actually responsible? Go ahead. 22. He doesn't seem like he's taking responsibility for the situation. 
he seems a little bit tense, but you put that down to kind of the fact that there was the conflict going on. From what you can gather, someone killed the crew of a Statwood trading vessel. And Lubash plays things pretty close to the vest. He does not seem like he feels bad about it. Leo takes all of this into consideration, and then nods quietly to himself and says, And would having someone to take responsibility for this nasty business lead to an equitable resolution between Stoutwood and Eisenhall? He leans back, crosses his arms, says, I don't see why I wouldn't. And would producing such a guilty party potentially secure an alliance down the road that I might be interested in? He uh, smiles a little bit and he says, It might, kid. I'm going to need a little bit more of a solid answer than it might before I decide to take my particular brand of action, Your Majesty. I believe you are well aware of the scope of my talents after being present for the end of the coup of Lockham. He uh, raises an eyebrow. He says, well, whether uh, things get resolved quickly and quietly sort of depends on King Rosebrook, since he's the one making a fuss about all this. If you can talk to him, if we can get this to go away quietly, I don't see why I wouldn't be, uh, grateful for that. Your Majesty, I believe you know as well as I do that nothing in this particular kind of political arena ever disappears totally quietly. I need to be aware of what kind of collateral you're willing to concede and still call this a win or a draw. He nods, he says that. That particular tract of the Shatterstone is uh, culturally relevant. I would be much obliged if Stoutwood would stop uh, sending people trouncing through it. It's my personal goal. And a friend's goal is my goal. I will go have a talk with King Rosebrook. Thank you so much for your input, Your Majesty. And Leo bows out of the conversation, and he goes to find Bobbin as fast as he can. Uh, you find Bobbin pouring over ledgers. I think Leo just takes a seat and lets him finish whatever he's doing before he looks up to acknowledge him. He makes a couple more marks in a ledger, closes it, makes a mark on another one, closes it, and then looks up and says, Ah, Lord Valsine, how can I help you? Grand Duke Valsine, hello. <laughs> I'm a bit uh, occupied, but I would uh, love to have a conversation with a friend. Indeed. I just couldn't help but notice a little bit of tension between you and King Thunderbow today. I just wanted a little bit of a catch-up, you know, between friends on what's going on there. His smile goes very stiff. <laughs> ah, ah, bit of a uh, skirmish with a ship we sent down the river Shatterstone a few weeks ago, handling some very expensive cargo that we were planning to send a seagull. Interesting. So what sort of resolution are you seeking here, you know, between friends? Could I maybe help you out? He laughs and he says, unless you've got a couple thousand gold laying around. <laughs> Frankly, your majesty, I would have to do things with King Silvertree that I would be <laughs> wholly uncomfortable with in order to come by that kind of coin. That's what I thought. It's, uh, nothing we can't handle. It just leaves us. That would 
a bit in the red as far as the uh, royal treasury goes for a while. Well, what is your ideal solution to the problem? And maybe I can help move things along in that direction. My ideal resolution is that I'm not out several thousand gold to King Shadestone, and that preferably when I try to resolve the situation by sending another boat, if I am ever able to get up the funds to do that, <laughs> that it doesn't get sunk into the river again. Alright, and I'm hearing everything you're saying. I have something that may sound a little bit crazy to put on the table. I'm willing to accept crazy at this point. <laughs> Wonderful. I would love it if you and King Thunderbow could meet me for dinner to talk over a little bit of a mutual agreement between the three of us that I think could yield very pleasant results in all directions, if it's executed properly. He uh, sits back and Sherry says, You had my attention, now you have my interest. <laughs> and hopefully I have your trust, having proven myself <laughs> available to your interests before, yes? <laughs> Might not go quite that far, but we can talk. So, yes, um, let's meet, and then I give them the tavern that Eleonora took me to earlier. Oh, God, <laughs> okay. We can go over the idea I have and hopefully... Resolve the situation in time for the gala. I have somebody saving a spot on their dance card for me. He nods. He says, all right, give me a time. Eight o'clock? Sure. Okay. I go find Zed and okay. catch him up on all of this. <laughs> Zed is just eating popcorn. What you're telling him about this? <laughs> Ravain, I'm sure, has no idea what's going on. Ravane, I think, asks a couple questions early in the story, but then realizes how much context he doesn't have, and just sits quietly petting Sweetie. So anyway, I think I have a way to make it play out to my favor. Zed laughs. He says, Seems like you have a way to make everything play out to your favor, but go on. Leo snorts to himself and goes, Everything except Eleonora. Anyway, um... Don't need to know. Don't need to hear about it. Didn't go well. Um... Uh-huh. So, my idea is, I pitch a narrative of economic support versus protection of investment. It's a little bit of a complicated pitch. It's going to be a little hard to do over dinner, but I think I have something in mind. I just need you there in case things go horribly, horribly wrong, and I need someone to break up a fight. I got none of that except the last sentence, but I'm in. And Ruvain raises his hand and says, I understood. Okay, you can come. Zed puts his head in his hand and says, Oh, we're fucked. Leo is changing into very nice formal dinner robes and then heading out to the place where he just went with Eleonora earlier in the day to meet the other two kings. I'm assuming that we have some kind of private salon. Yeah, there's a private back room. As you walk in, Bobbin and Lubash are already there. And they are, like, both standing. And as you walk in, they both back off and go sit down. I've been told that I have a very calming presence. It makes me very happy to know that that's true. And Leo sits down at the table. snorts so loud. And then you all sit down at the table. You order some food. You get, like, two bites in before Bob says, Alright, whatever you're gonna pitch to us, go ahead now. 
in exchange for Eisenhall's financial investment in a replacement shipment coming out. I will guarantee the safety of that shipment, and then we will all sit down and talk about the tract of land that is under scrutiny right now. Lubash says, and uh, where exactly is the money I'm supposed to contribute for this coming from? From you, but with a guarantee of economic return. That shipment is going to make it down the river come hell or high water, and I personally will ensure this. Again, gentlemen, both of you have seen me in action. How many other people do you know that have stopped a hostile coup of a city-state with not a drop of blood spilled? Bottom, like, raises hands, and then across the table to Lubash says, Seems like the least you could do. Lubash stands, hand on the table, and he says, I have told you already, Rosebrook. Leo just raises a hand and says, Gentlemen! And his holy symbol glows, and he casts calm emotions. Charisma saving throw. What's your save DC? My save DC is 15. Would you believe they both rolled a three? (laughs) Hell yes, okay. Holy shit, alright. Okay, yeah, they are chill now. The bus sits back down. Let's talk about this like adults. How long does the spell last? One minute. Okay. Bobbin, I understand you need economic return on this. Lubash, if you will guarantee that economic return, I can negotiate that land coming back to you. Bobbin, I understand that you need to have security of your boats coming out along the river for trade purposes. I can guarantee that if the two of you can agree to economically go in on a replacement shipment for the one that was lost. If you can get another shipment out between the two of you, I can guarantee it's safe delivery and economic return on it. I think that's a minute. Okay. You finish talking and the spell fades, and Lubash stands back up and says, What was that? That was clerical magic, seeing as the two of you couldn't talk to each other like adults. Imagine if I can put that kind of power to work in your favor. Or persuasion. Nat 20! <laughs> Lubash stops, settles back on his heels a little bit, and says, Alright, you've convinced me. That's all I came here to do tonight. You fund Bobbin's replacement shipment? I guarantee that shipment's safe delivery, and then all of us sit down and discuss potential land divisions. Yes? Fine. And then he leaves. Roll insight for me. 21. That plus seven's hurting ya, isn't it, buddy? <laughs> Bobbin has said nothing since the spell faded. He just nods to himself. He looks like he's deciding something. And he says, Alright, if you can guarantee that what I need to send to Seawell gets there safely, then I'm on it. Everybody wins, your majesty. He looks you in the eyes and he nods and he says, Everybody wins. Do I believe him? 
yes, you believe that he believes what he's saying. I'm going to go back to the palace and try to find Eleonora as quietly and privately as I possibly can. Because Stoutwood has such a focus on like architecture and artistry, Eleonora has holed up in the library. You find her just surrounded by books. <laughs> and she looks up, she sees you, and she looks around, and then she smiles. Liam, hi. Hi. Um, would you believe that without you around for, like, two seconds, I may have gotten myself in way over my head? The smile fades. She says, what did you do? Hopefully the best thing for everybody involved. And then he sits down and kind of explains everything that just went down. Eleanor kind of takes in the discussion. She nods to herself. She says, I mean, I know what Shatchaland they're talking about. The cities have been fighting over it for centuries. I don't... I wouldn't even know how to begin untangling all that. But if we can get people in a room to talk about it, I there's guess. an everybody wins, right? I guess, but there's also an everybody loses. I need help getting this boat down the river tomorrow. Huh? I understand what you're trying to do right now, and if you tell me no, that's not going to change anything between the two of us. But if I could have your help, I'd really like it. Persuasion. With advantage. Good thing you gave me advantage, because one of those <laughs> was a nat one. Oh, that <laughs> oh, was the other one. Nineteen. Her lips pinch together, and she nods a little bit, and she says, Why do I get the feeling I'm going to regret this? She smiles. Probably because you have a very astute sense about all of these sort of things, and Leo <laughs> leans in over the table and kisses her. She kisses you back, and as you start to pull away, she has a hand in your shirt, and she very quietly says, I'm not expected back at the uh, guest chambers for, oh, an hour and a half. I can work with that. And then the next morning, I'm guessing this boat's headed out. Yeah, you are all gathered up by one of the attendants for King Rosebrook and ushered to his private study. He goes over the itinerary of the boat. He uh, tells you where you're going to need to be stationed to make sure that it doesn't get accosted on that one stretch of land. You take in this information, and he says, I'll be giving you a wagon that you can take down there, of course. Wonderful, okay. If you're good, I'm good. Well, hopefully we'll all meet at the party tonight and have an equitable solution for everybody involved. I hope we will. Okay, we're rolling out. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, let me roll a couple things.
Okay. You roll out. The wagon is keeping pace with the ship. It's not a very fast-moving river. You're keeping pace pretty well. You head down to the stretch of land. And it's been described to you. You post up there. Nothing happens. It is almost eerily silent. Like, nothing tries to go for the boat. Everything's fine. Okay, we keep rolling along with the boat. The boat passes that one contentious stretch of land. You follow it through a few more farms, down the coast. It takes pretty much the entire day. We're going to follow it till it's out of Eisenhall's territory. It passes out of the contested lands. It is home free. No incident. Fuck yeah. (laughs) As you've agreed. It takes you most of the day to get there. And it will take you most of the day to get back, but you should be back in time for the gala. Headed back! You head back. The gala's in full swing by the time you show up. Eleonora has been edgy for the last hour or so. As soon as the wagon is stopped, jumps out, she says, I have to go now. <laughs> okay, well, will I see you later? Yeah, I... <laughs> she smiles nervously. She says, I saved you a spot on my dance card. All I can ask for. Go. And she runs off. Ravane says, am I invited to the party? I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be. I'll see you down at the party again. One for Team Leo, yes? One for Team Leo. (laughs) One for Team Leo! And Leo goes back to his chambers, doffs his armor, and changes back into his very formal bedazzled robes. Go back down to the party. Uh, Everybody's just kind of milling around, having a good time. Where are Bobbin and Lubash? Bobbin is leaning against a wall, sipping a glass of wine. Lubash is at the center of a verifiable crowd in the middle of the room, with the two orcish women that follow him everywhere, with a few of his kids. Just kind of generally talking, laughing, having a good time. Okay, Leo's going to go for Bobbin first. Okay. You'll be very pleased to know that the shipment made it out of town unaccosted. He grins. He says, that is exactly what I hope to hear. So now we need to talk about how much ground, literally, you're willing to give in this situation. I just preserved your kingdom's economic base. We need to talk about paying the piper for that. Not to me, but to the person that made this possible. Huh. I uh, don't see how much I can do to move, uh... People in the area, there are farming towns down there, there are a few good producers of uh, grain, such things, that it would be difficult to displace. What if we change where those people's economic contributions are going to? Is it going to make or break your state? I'd have to get something in return, but it's nothing we can't live without. What about an alliance? He settles against the wall and takes a sip of his wine and says, Elaborate. What if you and Lubash start working with each other instead of against? I don't think that's the sort of hatchet you can bury with one day's work, but I'm willing to talk about it. What if an alliance with Australia is contingent upon the two of you working together? Big promises from someone who doesn't have a guarantee on that throne yet. 
Small promises from someone who has both of your armies to back me up when I decide it's time to take it back. He nods to himself. He says, you drive a hard bargain. So I've been told. Let me go talk to Lubash, but I think we may be able to shake hands on this tonight. Go for it. Yeah, Leo goes and hunts down Lubash. Lubash is not hard to find. He is hard to get close to because there are so many people around him, but you could squirm your way in there. Leo worms his way in as close as he can and just kind of leans in and says, So the boat made it out, no problem. He is just grinning at something someone else said. He doesn't look directly at you, but like under his breath as conversation continues, he says, Good to hear. I have Bob and Willing to play ball if we're all able to sit down and come to a mutual agreement, the three of us. He nods to himself. He says, If you think you've got a plan there, then I am always willing to have the conversation. How much have you heard about the Australian Navy, Your Majesty? I've heard that they've had a bit of trouble wrangling pirates in the area. That's about it. What about their presence on the shores of Vogvoldor? I don't get much news about that, as far south as I am, but... You have just as much to lose from a border incursion as anybody else does, however. That is true. A three-way truce is what I am proposing. You and King Rosebrook talk out maybe renegotiating borders in terms of the tract of land beyond the river, and in exchange, conditionally... As long as everything remains as we've all three agreed it, you have Australian Navy support in fending off any border incursions from foreign powers. Roll persuasion. Dirty 20. Ho <laughs> He laughs loudly, claps you on the back, <laughs> and says, uh, I like your attitude. We'll talk after the party. Good to hear. Leo goes and finds Eleonora. Okay. Eleonora is just getting out of a dance with Lubash's oldest son. You get the feeling that she kind of dances with him a lot at these parties to cover up the fact that she doesn't want to dance with certain other people. And he, like, leans in and whispers something to Eleonora, and she laughs super loud and smacks him on the shoulder. Do you mind if I cut in? He grins sideways at you and says, Not at all. Eleanor says, go get some punch, you menace. Leah sweeps her up into whatever dance is going on. She grins up at you. She goes, so, did it go well? Unsettlingly. Okay. That's a good thing, isn't it? I certainly hope so. But actually, the more I've been thinking about it, Now that we're getting over this particular hurdle, I'm getting very close to having a majority of the council in my favor, and that's something that we're gonna need to start considering pretty soon, right? Yeah, I suppose we are, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just that you had mentioned being really interested in the spire architecture of the Australian palaces, and um, it seems that we're coming up on a time where I may be getting ready to go home soon, and if you wanted to make an extended trip to Australia to study the architecture, I absolutely wouldn't be opposed to hosting you. 
She laughs a little bit. She says, What exactly are you suggesting, Lord Valsine? Grand Duke Valsine. <laughs> As I believe I've told you, what, four, five <laughs> times now? <laughs> Eleonora? I'll call Look. you Grand Duke on your own land. How about that? Is that you saying that you'll come there with me? That's me saying it's not a no. And what about staying there? There's a lot to consider when making that kind of decision. I can't just leave my father, uh, and I am technically going to be the Queen of Estremis whenever he dies or steps down. There's a lot of complicated uh, things to consider. I... Where is it written in stone that you can't be Queen of Estremoth and Archduchess of Australia? Roll persuasion. 24. Her cheeks go very dark. And she kind of ducks her head and she says, If you can figure out a way to make that happen, it's not a no. In the last five years, I found ways to make much tougher things happen. And then she reaches up, she kisses you on the cheek, and she says, I promised you one dance. I'll see you later, okay? And she whirls away. Yeah, Leo just nods, grinning like a big old dope. Heads off the dance floor. Um, yep. Okay, I have kind of a random sounding question. Uh-huh. If I burn both of my third level spell slots for the day on one sending spell, can I do a 50 word sending spell rather than the 25 word? Yeah, sure. I don't see why not. Okay, excellent. Um, Leo is going to try to excuse himself out onto a balcony where he can be by himself for a couple minutes. Yeah, sure. And then burn both of his third level spell slots for the day to do a 50-word sending spell to Sorin. Walks up to the edge of the balcony, puts a hand up to his holy symbol, and starts glowing. I know you don't want to talk. I understand. I'm sorry. I think I'm falling in love with someone else. I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know how you'd feel. I understand if you don't want to talk, I just wish that you would at least let me go. There is a long pause and no answer. Alright. I'm going to talk to Bobbin and Lubosh then, because that's what's on my agenda for the night. Bobbin gets you in the hall. And says, here, how about we have a discussion in uh, my office? Gladly. You go into Bobbin's office? He says, Lubosh will be here in a minute. Uh, help yourself to a seat and some wine. Gladly, yeah. <laughs> he helps Leo sits down and pours himself a generous glass of wine. He settles down at his desk. He says, you know, I've seen you do some impressive things since you've been here. 
I do my best. I haven't uh, had much cause to see, what do you call it, clerical magic? I suppose, yes. Uh, at least in terms of classification, I am a cleric of Kimrel. <laughs> Legally, it's a bit more complicated. We don't have many of those here. You understand? We have priests, obviously, but uh, not many people who can perform feats of magic like that. I'd say the closest we have is King Ashthorn, but he's not really beholden to a god, per se. Bold of you to assume that I'm beholden to anything. <laughs> suppose it is. You don't seem to be beholden to anything but your own interests. I'll decide to take that as a compliment, your majesty. You should. You should. I admire someone who is looking out for themselves above all else. Something you learn to admire when you've been in my position, as long as I have. Leorum and Contev with disadvantage. Would you believe that one of those was a nat 20, but I have disadvantage? What's the other one? Nine. Leo, you start feeling really weird. Like weird how? You're sitting there and Bobbin's saying something and standing up from his desk, but you don't really process what he's saying. It's like he's talking at you through water. Can I roll insight on what's happening to me? Okay. 22. You're not really processing the words being said at you. Your body is starting to feel really heavy. You feel like you're moving really slowly. It's hard to move and it's getting harder. You are most definitely going unconscious. You could feel yourself fading. I spent both of my third level spell slots. I can't even get a sending off to Zed. Second level, Augury. Okay. So you have to tell me wheel, woe, or wheel and woe. You gotta toss some bones. <laughs> I'm gonna get the bones out there if I can. <laughs> if, I ha if I have the motion left in my body. Just barely, I think you can toss your bones. Like, you will lose these Augury bones. What's gonna happen if I run? The bones come up wheel and woe. A fucking course they do. <laughs> Leo makes a break for the hallway as soon as he realizes that he's starting to go unconscious. You get up from your chair, you feel heavy and slow, and you stagger towards the door. It's like three steps. You get the door open. I yell for Zed as loud as I possibly can. And from behind you, your awareness is kind of like fading in and out. You hear Bobbin talking and you process these words. This could have been a lot easier. And then you feel a hard impact to the back of your head. And you are out. And that's it for us this week. <laughs> <sighs> This nasty little man is going to die <laughs> by mine own hand. Is he going to die? What? 
<laughs> That's it for us this week, folks. I'm compelled to just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. As usual, we're going to go ahead and plug our social medias. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok, at Compelled Duel. We are also on TikTok, at Compelled Duel Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. We also have an official Spotify account and an official website. You can find all of those linked on all of our social media profiles. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can head on over to patreon.com slash compelled duel to get all sorts of fun perks and access to things like exclusive playlists, even letters from your favorite character every month. A special thank you to all of our new patrons that have joined since the last time we uploaded an episode. Thank you to Nina, Allie Anderson, Kittens Palms, Dee Mulcahy, Emily, Nefergy, KT Aylesworth, The Wild Family, Odd, Aaron, Lily, Summer Rose, Sloan, and Davo Cassidy. Additionally, if you're looking for ways to support the podcast other than pledging to our Patreon, you could, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please drop us a rating and a review. That helps us get promoted to a wider listener base. Also, if you're liking what you're hearing, we just ask that you tell three friends about the podcast, and if they like it, ask them to tell three friends. Word of mouth advertising helps us so much, and we really appreciate all the work you guys put in. The next episode is going to be going up on Friday, February 26th, 2021, or if you are a member of our Patreon, you will get early access on Thursday, February 25th. Next week's going to be an interesting one, so we'll see all you guys then.